Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Essex Church, where this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, has its spiritual home. Ours is a community created by all who walk through our doors, and we welcome you. Whoever you are, whatever you are, however you are this Sunday morning. As Unitarians, we value the diversity of the paths of faith and belief we humans take through life. Our banner here shows symbols from many religions, and we value them all for the perspective they bring. But in this community of the spirit, we encourage one another to explore our own perspectives. We gather here to connect with ourselves, with one another, and with something greater than ourselves. Perhaps to put to one side for a moment our burdens and our grievances, our fixed ways of thinking and being, and instead to open ourselves to the possibility of inspiration, of hearing perhaps a still small voice within, an inner wisdom that can encourage us to move forward in life, accepting what is, making the best of all that we have been given. So let's take a moment now together to take a conscious breath, breathing gently in and out. And as we maintain that awareness of our breathing, let's increase our awareness of being here now together with one another in this present time, a time of potential, a time of possibility. Catholic priest Henri Nguyen wrote that we must learn to live each day, each hour, yes, each minute as a new beginning, as a unique opportunity to make everything new. Imagine that we could live each moment as a moment full of the possibility of new life. Whatever the challenges we face, may this day hold some promise for us all. We light this chalice as a symbol of our faith. By its light may our vision be illumined, by its warmth may our fellowship be encouraged, and by its flame may our yearnings for peace, justice and the life of the Spirit be enkindled. Let me welcome my friend and ministerial colleague, the Reverend Joy Croft, who's come to join us in leading worship today. Lovely to have you with us, Joy. As I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we do and say together here today. For many people, both within this community and in the wider world, this has not been an easy few weeks. Let us think in loving sympathy now of all those we know of for whom life is a struggle. In particular, we remember those who have been so affected by violence in our world. In Gaza, in Israel, 
in the Ukraine, in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Nigeria, and all the other many places that we might have heard of recently. And as we think of our wider world, let's think too of our own struggles and challenges with kindness. And perhaps think of those inevitable times when we have been less than we would want to be in the last week. Let us give thanks for the gift of life we've been given. Perhaps each of us, if we wish, in our own hearts now, can express silent gratitude for some aspect of the last week, however small. And this day, and in the days ahead, When we think we know the truth, may we remember that it is only our truth, true from our perspective. May we be ever more aware that there is more to this existence than we can ever know, and be therefore more curious and gentle travellers on the paths of life. Courageous explorers of mysteries within us, mysteries within one another, and the mysteries beyond our understanding. And may this day, this day be made a little brighter and lighter because we exist. And may this be so for the greater good of all. Amen. It's, it's a real pleasure to be back among you and to be with Sarah. Um, and along with the delight of going to the prom concerts, there, there's the pleasure that we get almost every year, Sarah and I, of doing the service together, sharing the preparation and the leading of it. Uh, Unitarian ministers are so spread out that this doesn't often happen, I think. Uh, we, we mostly are loners in leading worship. And it's a wonderful experience uh, to be able to share with a colleague uh, because we we pool our thoughts and I think the result is always a bit more than the sum of the the, the two individual inputs. So it's lovely to have this opportunity. And I have a poem to offer you, a poem called Breathing Underwater. Uh, The author is uh, Carol Bielek, who's not a famous poet, although I think she deserves to be. She's uh, an American nun, a member of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Order of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I built my house by the sea, not on the sands, mind you, not on the shifting sand. And I built it of rock, a strong house by a strong sea. 
and we got well acquainted, the sea and I, good neighbours. Not that we spoke much, we met in the silences, respectful, keeping our distance, but looking our thoughts across the fence of sand, always the fence of sand, our barrier, always the sand between. And then, one day, and I still don't know how it happened, the sea came, without warning, without a welcome even. Not sudden and swift, but a shifting across the sand like wine. Less like the flow of water than like the flow of blood. Slow, but coming. Slow, but flowing like an open wound. And I thought of flight, and I thought of drowning, and I thought of death. And while I thought, the sea crept higher, till it reached my door, and I knew then there was neither flight, nor death, nor drowning. And I knew then, but when the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbours, well acquainted, friendly at a distance neighbours, and you give your house for a coral castle, and you learn to breathe underwater. This is a good morning for stories, and I have another one for you. Uh, You may know this story. It it seems to speak so much to people's hearts that it's been told in, in, in many places. The version I know comes from China. And it tells of a woman who had only one child, a baby son. The little boy fell ill and in spite of the mother's tireless nursing, died. His mother was bereft, clutching the poor dead thing to her breast. She went out in search of the wise woman of the village. Please, she pleaded, please bring my baby back to me. I'll give you anything. I'll do anything. Oh, said the wise woman, nothing simpler. Only I need one vital ingredient for the spell. You must bring me just one grain of rice, but it must come from a house that has never known sorrow. Well, the bereft mother set out on her journey and she walked the whole world over She thought it would be such an easy task. The world seemed to be such a bright and carefree place in comparison with her own dark sorrow. But, as you may already have guessed, never, nowhere in the whole wide world did she find a single house, a single family, 
a single human heart that had not suffered loss and known sorrow. But I like to think, although the old tale doesn't say so, that she didn't, wasn't lost entirely. Because on every doorstep, I believe she will have found gifts of comfort and sometimes even gifts of hope as she spoke with those who themselves had suffered loss and known sorrow and could understand how she felt. And I like to think that after a time she was able to give these gifts as well as to receive them. And that although her beloved child never came back to her, she was never again so much alone because she knew herself linked by bonds of sure sympathy to the others, the many others in the world who would have the courage to risk themselves in love. And now drawing on that story, I want to lead you in a time of meditation and quiet reflection. And let me invite you, if it suits you, to sit upright but not rigid, with your feet at rest on the floor, your hands at rest in your lap, your spine straight, supported by the back of the chair, your head like a flower on top of the stem. And be aware as you sit there that down through the floor of this building, down through its foundations, is the living earth. Know yourself connected through your feet, down through this building, connected with the living and sustaining earth. And know that around you and above you is the flowing air connecting you with all life, connecting you also with the things of the spirit. And as you sit there, breathe deeply, breathe gently, be aware of the rise and fall of your own natural breath. With each breath out, Breathe away all distraction, all tension. With each breath in, breathe in a peaceful sense of being now and here. Grief. Grief is the price we pay for loving. For loving other people. For loving causes. For loving life. The more we love, the more we give ourselves in love the greater the grief that must come. 
when our connection with what we love ends. Knowing we are mortal, knowing that life is uncertain, we know this must be so. Knowing it, resenting and resisting it, nonetheless, we open our hearts to life. To every one of us here, I guess there have, I guess there's come some loss, the loss of someone or something dear, so often unfair, often unexpected, like the sea flowing irresistibly across the sand engulfing our sure, strong shelters, washing away their very foundations. If there's been such a time in your life, I invite you, if you will, to remember it just for a moment now. Let your mind touch lightly on it, here for a moment, here in this quiet circle of friends. And as you remember it, ask yourself, how did you meet it? How did you live through it? Did you perhaps learn to breathe underwater? Ask yourself, was there something you discovered then? Something you discovered through this hard time you remember? Perhaps some new understanding you gained? Perhaps some unexpected strength you found in yourself. And ask yourself, are there lessons you have still to learn? And finally, did you find, did you make links with other people? Perhaps like the bereaved mother in the story, chances have come to receive and to give closeness, courage, hope. Perhaps these two are still to come. Let's share silence now. A time for your own recollections, your own thoughts, and your own prayers.
And now bring yourself gently back into this time and this place. As I say these closing words. Life spirit, keep love alive in me. Love of my loved ones. Though there must be an end one day when only memories remain. Love of my work, well chosen and well done. Though strength and skill may fade through time and age. Love of beauty, as ephemeral as gossamer, as sunset, as a song. Though I may curl cold, comfortless, certain life's not worth the candle or the cost. Hold my heart open in me, still willing to be touched and changed. Amen. Well, I wish I could tell you that there's going to be a happy ending to this whole story of life. But I guess that we all know the reality. As that saying goes, that we, all we can be certain of in life is death and taxes. And frankly, would it were as simple as that? Because if it were as simple as that, well, we'd learn to deal with it, wouldn't we? Both death and the realities of the complexities of our taxation system. But between the big events of birth and death, all sorts of stuff happens, and much of it is not of our choosing. Don't most of us humans yearn to be heroic? When I chose this title of No Escape for this short address, what immediately came to my mind was the film The Great Escape, in which a remarkably clever group of prisoners of war, led by the impossibly handsome Steve McQueen, they managed to do the impossible, to escape from the impossible to escape from prison camp. Now they do say that The Great Escape was based on a real incident in World War II, but I bet that none of those prisoners in real life was as good-looking <laughs> as Steve McQueen. Because real life is messy and inconclusive and doesn't have movie star chiselled cheekbones. And most of us get to realise that we are neither the hero nor the villain, but some complex mix of good and bad. And though we yearn to be in charge of the film scripts of our lives, most of us soon get to experience the reality that we aren't quite as much in control as we hoped to be. Are we all feeling suitably miserable now? Well, now here's the good news. I've managed to glean three bits of good news from all of this. Firstly, in case some of us hadn't noticed, we are all in this thing called life together. And though we have different journeys to travel, yet we share with one another all kinds of experiences along the way. 
Each time I hear that story that Joy used to lead us into our meditation earlier on of the grieving mother searching for just one grain of rice from a household that had not known suffering, I'm reminded that suffering is, of course, part of this human condition. Suffering is what we do because we love, because we make attachments, because we have hopes and dreams and yearnings. And why not? We suffer because we live. We suffer because we love. It's a universal human experience that we all share. And I think that can be a source of comfort to us, to remember that we are not alone. Irish writer John O'Donoghue puts it beautifully, I think, when he writes, regardless of how lucky, blessed or privileged one might be, there is not one life that is called at some time to walk through the bleak valley of suffering. Okay, second bit of good news. And this is gleaned from years of walking alongside people going through life's toughest times of loss and bereavement, illness and pain. The good news I've come to realise is that we humans are remarkably resilient creatures. Our fear is often, well my fear is often, how shall I cope with this? And then we do cope, we do manage, we find wellsprings of resilience within us and we get through. I hope, looking round that each of us here has at least one time in our life when we can look back and say, yes, I did do that, I did get through that tough time. The third bit of good news is a reminder that those tough times can bring unexpected benefits to us. We really can grow and develop through life's challenges. And amongst much else at those times, we can learn humility. Through being brought at times to our knees, well, we can learn to let go of those illusions of being in charge and we can start to surrender Surrender to a higher power, however we conceive that higher power to be. Now those of you who have been helped by the 12 Steps program of AA or Al-Anon or the many other groupings based on that system, you'll recognise the wording of the very first step here. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol or any other addiction that we have attempted to use to get ourselves through life. The poem we heard earlier on about breathing underwater is used by priest Richard Raw as the basis for his book of the same name, Breathing Underwater, Spirituality and the Twelve Steps. And one of that book's most helpful messages for me was, surprise, we are all addicted and we are living in societies that are addicted Because addiction is not just about drugs like alcohol or tobacco. It can also be applied to materialistic cultures that live the belief that the latest consumer item once purchased will allow us to live happily ever after. When in truth, isn't it just like the cigarette smoker, deeply satisfied for a short while, but then yearning for another yearning, yearning for another cigarette, another drink, another shopping trip be that in the high street or on the internet. Or perhaps our addictions are to our own habitual patterns of thinking and behaving. 
An addiction to being right, for example. One or two of us may have that one. <laughs> or an addiction to success, or to exercise even, because some addictions look healthy, but if we feel we can't live without them, if they define who we are for us, then we're not truly free. I wonder how this relates to your life. I wonder if this relates to your life. I wonder what addictions you might identify. Addictions that we each feel we need just to get us through the day. How would it be to admit that I'm not right all the time? Or to admit that I don't have the answer? What would happen if just for once I didn't immediately leap into a particular pattern of habitual behaviour? Richard Rohr writes that only those who have tried to breathe underwater know how important breathing really is and will never take it for granted again. They are the ones who do not take shipwreck or drowning lightly. They are the ones who can name healing correctly. They are the ones who know what they have been saved from and the only ones who develop the patience and the humility to ask the right questions of God and of themselves. He goes on, You see, only the survivors know the full terror of the passage, the arms that held them through it all, and the power of the obstacles that were overcome. All they can do is thank God they made it through. Now, I don't know what issues brought you to church today. It may well be that more than one of us this morning is here with some deep issue, some painful sadness or anxiety perhaps that we are trying to come to terms with. At such times in life, to have someone trying to convince you that you can indeed breathe underwater as the waters of despair are rapidly rising, well, that may feel like yet another blow. We all know that grief and other strong feelings can overwhelm us, and we know that drowning is a reality. If the waters are rising in your own life, do not struggle on alone. Reach out to others. Seek what you most need. Share your pain. That, for me, is the true meaning of learning to breathe underwater. And that is my hope for us, both as a church community and for our wider world. Amen. May the peace of the heavens and of the earth be with you this week and in the weeks ahead whatever impossibilities you may face in life. Amen. Go well and blessed be.